0: everyone welcome back to another drunk friend episode episode number 91 i'm travis that's alex and alex 91 you know what that means that means 1991
1: i'm gonna say a bit unbelievable pretty crazy oh god i see what you did I, it took me yeah. a full second <laughs> you know it's what's what's funny is that when, when i try and remember that band's name uh i think of uh i, I always think they're called uhf but i think it's i think they're like emf or something like that but if they make they make me think of uhf uh that's funny i never knew what emf stood for i still don't i think i looked it up
0: like i think the first day wikipedia came out that was what i looked up i was like what is that mean and i don't think anybody knows it's just emf uh
1: what could it stand for easy meats meats floating i don't know you went. You you took the high road. I was going to say something like MF-er? "easy, motherfuckers." Uh, yeah. Come
0: on, this is a family podcast. That's right, Families a very family-friendly
1: '90s ass podcast, <laughs> indeed. So let's just dive right into it. How old were you in 1991? I was five for most of it. Turned six that August. Mm. So, do you have any memories of 1991? Like, what what were you doing? Were you in kindergarten? Were you? Uh, beating uh yeah. certain uh Nintendo games, were you uh jamming out to some uh Alan Jackson or or what? <laughs> But let me tell you
0: what was going down in the mountains for young Trav. I had just wrapped up kindergarten, we graduated that with flying stars, actually all S's, very satisfactory. And we moved on into the first grade there. I have a, it's funny I mentioned unbelievable out of the gate because here's my memory of 1991. I mean, I have a couple, but here's one very distinct. This is, you're going to love this. So I had a sister, still do. Uh, But when I was five, six, she's 11 years older than me. So she's high school age. She's junior sophomore in in high school. Right. Every day, she would leave for school. She'd get a VHS tape, one of those six six hour jobs, put in the old VCR, record MTV all day long. Come home that night, scroll through, find her favorite music videos. We would watch them together. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yep, yep. She would do this every couple of weeks when there was like you know there's enough new stuff. She would go resample. So uh, she loved the song by. It was a band called Firehouse. <laughs> it was a,
1: a rock ballad. Yes. Uh, I can't remember the name of that song, but God, we all know it. Uh, um, it was probably oh, which one did Firehouse do? They were a hair metal band. Hair like they, metal. They, yep. they were right alongside bands like Slaughter, and um, they they were like later hair metal. Whereas the I, I would say the the pioneers of hair metal were probably dorks like Poison and uh Motley Crew and you know uh who else would it have been I guess Def Leppard was a was a hair band Well, yeah. I'll, I, okay, I, I I'll go to bat for Def Leppard any day I I really oh, like a lot of their stuff yeah but uh, yeah. most most hair metal like Bon Jovi no uh can't, a lot of it I just can't stomach um especially like some of like Love of a Lifetime that's uh Love of a Lifetime yeah. that's not the one I was thinking of
0: Oh, yeah, it's like, it's the one that's just, love of a lifetime. It's it's that song. <laughs> she loved that video. And it was, the the video reminded me of just a bunch of dudes in a, a vacant uh, car garage in the middle of a city just being sad. And right after that video on this VHS tape was EMF's Unbelievable. And she ding, wanted ding, to ding, listen ding, to her ding, song ding, over ding, and over ding. again. But I, if I was around, I would bug her and be like, let this EMF ride. Yeah. And then go back to your firehouse stuff. Let me jam out. You know, I was fine. I thought that unbelievable song, honestly for a five year old, pretty unbelievable. I was up and up and down, bouncing off the carpet, having a good time with it. So that is a very distinct memory of nineteen ninety one. Uh it was, was those two hot singles being played in our living room over and over again by my sister.
1: Yeah, now that you mention it, um we would have just gotten well, actually no, we got cable right before Wrestlemania 6 I want to say so this that would have been uh early 1999 like February somewhere in that range but um we had so we I was just easing into the MTV experience at that at that point in 1991 and I'm trying to think like what other like videos would have been popular at that time you know you're getting a lot of Mariah Carey Whitney Houston Mm -hmm. getting a lot of um you know uh let me let me let me look at uh our stuff here oh and if you stayed up late enough i was nine years old in 1991 so i was just like this is like the best i was lucky enough to have like a kick-ass really fun childhood and uh there was like michael jackson i remember that the video for dangerous had uh magic johnson or eddie murphy um wow a few other people in it too that that were it felt like a big deal when that video came out i remember that being uh like an event like oh it's the new michael jackson video but if you stayed up late enough you managed to see shows like yo mtv raps and they would play stuff like nwa cypress hill naughty by nature uh, i made a joke the other day where it's it's actually kind of quaint to see a hip-hop group use the word naughty in their name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so naughty. Like, that's yeah, true. that, sound, that yeah. sounds very, like, childlike, I guess. I don't know. But, um, the, but yeah, you'd see, like, Public Enemy. <laughs> that's how I found out about bands like Tri- Tri- Tribe Called Quest. Oh, yeah. uh, I yeah. didn't really get into them until much, much later, but I, that's how I first found out about them. And, uh, yeah, like, s- staying on music, it... If you just look at, like, the 10 best albums of 1991, it's like every single one is just freaking a heavy hitter, like, just a super heavy hit Yeah, weight. dude. Like, you had Nirvana, Nevermind. You had Pearl Jam 10, Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger, the two Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion, Uh, which, which of course, their videos f- for every song off that album... Uh, like the video for You Could Be Mine had, uh, the crossover with Terminator 2, which also came out that year, and it had, uh, Arnold, uh, hunting them down, uh, uh during a concert, and then he meets them backstage, and he declares them, like, too pathetic to kill or something like that, and he, he aborts the mission. It's pretty
0: funny. And they had that, uh, that Don't Cry song, which gave, it, it made me feel... Uh, I don't know. It kind of, that song kind of worried me when I was a kid. I didn't like understand what was going on, but like the tone and the melody of it, I was
1: like, oh, this song is about something bad. That's yeah. a bad song. And the video, I still dig it, though. The video for that song is the most confusing thing you'll ever see in your life. Like you could watch it a hundred times and not know what the heck is going on. Because it's like, okay, Axel is looking up from his own grave and he's naked. But and then Axel walks into another room and there's like two other versions of himself. And then he walks into a mirror and disappears. Like, what what the hell am I? It's weird. And then Slash drives off a cliff. But then you see the car explode. But Slash is somehow okay on the cliff playing a guitar solo. It's really confusing. But uh, yeah, that was 1991. All right. Uh And the Metallica's Black Album. You can't not bring... Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, Enter Sandman was
0: a, was everywhere. Um, oh, my gosh. I have a memory of this, by the way. I remember... This is this will be, this will delight you. Uh, when I was a little boy on the bus, uh, I was the last stop on a long, long bus ride. And there was another kid that lived down the road from me. And he, he got off like a little bit before I did. But we were on the bus for forever. And he was a bit, bit older than me. He was like four or five years older than me. But being the only kids on the bus, we occasionally were left to chat and we both had our, uh, our Walkmans, right? And I had a Walkman that's, you know, I took it on the bus when I was like six years old. Um, and <laughs> I was probably listening to like, it, it was probably something like a Fraggle Rock, like a Muppet tape, right? <laughs> like, cause I was a little kid. Yeah. But he, he asked me, he's like, Hey, what are you listening to? And I lied. I said, oh, I'm just listening to, uh, Pearl Jam. Because I'd heard my sister talk about them and I thought that'd be a cool thing to say to an older kid. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he was like, fuck that shit. And he took my headphones off and he put his headphones on, on my ears and hit play on his Walkman. And it was inner sandman. And it was the loudest, meanest, scariest shit I'd ever heard in my life. I was like, I need off this bus. This was terrifying. <laughs> but also I liked it too. I, I liked it, but I was like, "Oh, my mom would not like me liking this." Like, <laughs> the feeling I got was that I was listening to Forbidden Fruit, but I definitely lied and I was like, "Yeah, Pearl Jam,
1: because that's cool." Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, man. The, I, and 1991 would have been uh, FM radio too, like not just MTV, but just constantly oh, yeah. listening to uh, in in uh, Saint Paul, where I was living uh, at the time. It would have been 93 uh, X. Was the radio station, and they? Pl- it's I'm st- I'm sure that it's one of those radio stations. If they're still around today, they're still playing the exact same sh- stuff. It's still AC/DC, the same Van Halen songs, the same Led Zeppelin songs, the same Metallica songs. But it's back then. It was like, wow, there's new Metallica, there's new Guns N' Roses. This is this is crazy. Like this is it's just like overwhelming amount of content, all all happening all at once. So. I was doing the thing at the time uh, where uh, I remember riding my bike to uh, it was either Best Buy or Target and buying a few uh, cassette tapes for like you know three dollars or something like that and just dubbing songs off the radio like when it would come on. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was even to the point where if I turned the radio on and um, it was in the middle of the song, I would still hit record. So there are some mixtapes that I have. Uh, recorded off the radio that are like the last minute of certain Guns N' Roses songs <laughs> and like you know 30 seconds of this song and stuff like that but you still love it you still listen to it you're like I don't care I'll oh yeah later it's, it's weird I remember what's the Guns N' Roses oh pretty tied up I I <laughs> when I get that song in my head which isn't often but I only hear <laughs> like, I can only remember like the last minute of that song it's pretty funny Oh man, I did the same thing with like the magic carpet
0: ride song, you know, like at the end, when it just kind of goes through like some like static thing at the end of that Steppenwolf song. I didn't know that was part of the song. I thought my tape. For some reason, I was thinking of Coolio. I was like, "Dang, this tape sucks." (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean that's fair. We are talking about 1991, and I just jumped to 1964 without asking.
1: <laughs> but yeah, first, no, but. you're you're right though. That, that stuff like Steppenwolf and like George Thorogood, like that stuff was played all the time on on the radio. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what was w- were you starting to get into Virginia Tech football at that point, dude? No, and it's funny because
0: you had sports listed out here, and I was thinking like in 1991, I was I was mm. way too young to have any concept of pro sports i know my dad was pulling for the redskins around then he was he was kind of a bandwagon fan like the closest Mm -hmm. team to our house was the team he rooted for and the redskins had a good year that year so i remember him asking me to watch the super bowl with him and i was like i don't want to watch this shit (laughs)
1: like
0: i don't know i don't understand the game at all and so i didn't i didn't know anything i did know who michael jordan was only
1: because of the cartoon
0: at the time that's how old i
1: how young i was the the bulls were a huge deal like jordan was clear clearly far and away like the best player in in basketball like bird and magic were clearly like on the decline i think bird had a bad back at that point was missing most of the season magic uh yeah he he wasn't as good uh, even though they they did go to the finals, but the, I mean, that whole crew was, was on the downside. So them winning, him finally breaking through, beating the Pistons, beating the Lakers was a very big deal, um, as was, you know, that Washington Redskins team was definitely, uh, they might be the most, like, underappreciated team maybe ever because they were, that offense was unstoppable. Like, it was... You know, people laugh at Mark Rippon now because he's not exactly like a Hall of Fame name, but that guy, <laughs> like, he, he was kind of like a, uh, a proto-Kurt Warner in a way, where he he just came around at the right time with the right coaching staff and the right receivers. They had some receivers in Washington. They had Gary Clark was their deep threat, Art Monk, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Ricky Sanders was a great player. Uh, those guys got open constantly, like, they, if you didn't rush the quarterback... Like adequately, like you were getting torched. And their defense was loaded too. They had, uh, what's his name? Dexter Manley was their, uh, was the one defensive end, and Charles Mann was the other. I think they both had just your classic, you know, pass rushers, double digit sacks. Uh, They were a great, great team. And speaking of great teams, my Minnesota Twins won the World Series that year. Oh, yeah. And in the greatest World Series of all time and the greatest game seven of all time with uh, Jack Morris. Jack Morris going 10 innings and a uh, complete game shutout. Yeah, it got him the into... Old, the...
0: Yeah, the only other one that sticks out to me would be the... Uh, was it the Indians-Marlins uh, one from like 96-97? That was pretty fun. That was fun. That one and the Twins went are were like two of the best in yeah. the last 40 years of baseball. Yeah, for the, sure.
1: the Twins-Braves series that year was just crazy because I think five of the games went extra innings. Four or five of them went extras. And... um. Yeah, the 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 two games in Atlanta or two of the three games in Atlanta were really close. Uh, one of them was a total blowout. Uh, Braves went up three games to two. Um, then the the famous uh, Kirby Puckett home run game uh, was Game Six, uh, where he hit hit the home run in the eleventh inning. I remember going to bed. Um, I couldn't stay oh, up. I remember late this. Up. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and it's crazy to think this as a Minnesota sports fan. Knowing what's (laughs) having hindsight and knowing the misery that would come for decades afterward. But I can remember going to bed. And being feeling completely one hundred percent confident, it's like it's Kirby Puckett. Of course, they're going to win. It's it's Kirby. It's Kent Herbeck. It's Dan Gladden, Shilly Davis. Like these guys don't lose. Like <laughs> of course they're going to win. And sure enough, I I remember running downstairs the next morning, and Kirby is doing the fist that famous picture of him screaming and doing the fist pump as he's rounding, rounding second. And I'm like, oh yeah, of course they won. It's freaking Kirby Puckett. It's the way it works. And sh- little there did you know. I know at the time that would be the last time Minnesota team a Minnesota team would even be in the finals of a professional sports thing other than Minnesota Lynx. The Lynx uh, in the WNBA won a few titles, but ugh, ugh, yeah. ugh. that sucks, man. Yeah. That sucks. That man that
0: Minnesota pride though. It sticks with you. I can tell. You still. You any time now. You're due you do i mean cleveland got theirs where de- of course they de- had to birth the greatest basketball player <laughs> of our generation
1: yeah i'm just saying even then they had to lose in the finals a whole bunch of times but a uh, whole bunch yeah <laughs> yep and uh, uh also in 1991 another memory i have of course is uh the super nintendo being released and um, oh yeah that coming out uh, in August of 1991, we got it as a Christmas present. Uh, it was me and my brother at the time. My sister had left for college, but, um, me and, uh, Mike, my brother played the heck out of super Mario world and final fight. Um, those were the two games we had. I just one. it's, it's one of those things where I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but it's, it's one of the, it sounds tacky. It sounds hokey. Cause I'm, I'm obviously a super Nintendo Stan, but it's one of those like life-changing things that I could re- seriously feel like new pathways in my brain opening up because I'm so like overstimulated by this like amazing device, this incredible interactive device. It's like the height of technology in 1991 and it's in our house and we get to play it. And eventually later on, we got SimCity. Uh My dad one day brought home the first John Madden football. I think he got it for cheap. That might have been the next year, but yeah, that was freaking awesome. It was a lot of fun. What games were you playing at the time? Do you remember? Yeah, we had, I
0: just got our, I, well, my dad had got him an NES. I think he meant for it to be mine, but he was like, oh, you're too bad at them. Let me play it and be good at it. So, <laughs> uh, we, it was basically my dad's toy, but we had, um, you know, your basic run of the mill. We had Guerrilla War. That was a game that we had. We had, we had borrowed, uh, The Legend of Zelda from my cousin and never returned it. So we had that one kicking around. Uh, and of course, just, just. Your regular ass old Mario Bros. And those are probably, those were probably the three that we rotated the most. Very mm. simple lineup right there. But we did a lot of renting. You know, we'd go get the your John Elway quarterback. Didn't do a lot of buy in. But actually, my brother, he had moved away. He'd been, I guess during this time, he was actually in Desert Storm. But later, like a couple years later, he had his own NES. When he upgraded, he gave me all his old, old game, So I got a big stack probably middle of the next Ooh. year. That broadened my horizons and I was like, oh shit, there's more than just the seven (laughs) games I'm aware of. That's crazy. I didn't even know the Super NES existed. My my parents probably shielded me from it because they're like, damn it, we just got him the regular old ass Nintendo. We can't let him know that they put out a better <laughs> one or he'll want it. So I I think I was just oblivious to it. I don't know any of my friends that we didn't really talk about games when I was five, six, seven years old. Oh.
1: That came a little bit later. I yeah. Think. At, at this time, uh, I, I was nine. Like I said, that's all I talked about. You know, I guess we talked yeah. baseball cards, but we mostly talked video games man oh man that's uh this dude named uh tim in my class Uh, i think that he's either third grade fourth grade somewhere around there for me he had a nintendo power subscription uh so i was able to you know write down copy down all sorts of like codes and tricks from the classified information session i still have that notebook Mm. do you still have all those same cartridges uh a
0: few yeah yeah uh and my brother he actually kept the boxes for his games like a like a regular human uh we had trashed all of ours or maybe i busted into them from the top and didn't think that they you know, warranted my respect to just rip the tops off. So um, anything that was still in the box that he gave is still there. I can't verify that I might've upgraded a cartridge or two over the years um, and swapped them out for better conditioned ones. But
1: yeah. Yeah. Older brothers do sometimes have a certain wisdom about (laughs) it. My brother was, was very strict about like keeping the box, keeping the manual, keeping them in the best condition possible. Mm -hmm. Like, he was so anal about that. Like, you're doing it wrong. You're not supposed to open it like that. You open it on the other side. Like, he was really, and I was just like, who cares? It's a box. But <laughs> I, am, I am in his debt for, for having us taken care of it. We still have that same Final Fight box. Uh, I still have the original Super Nintendo box that it came with. Um, all that stuff. That's it's, awesome. It's really, and I'm really glad I have it. It's fun to have. Yeah, it's it's cool
0: when it's yours too. I mean, being yeah. being a collector, yeah, you know, I like get my hands on some of the goods, but I can still point around the room and be like, "Oh, I had this when I was a kid, and I had this when I was a kid." And those those are a little bit more special, of course.
1: You know, it's funny you say you didn't know the Super Nintendo still existed because the NES just disappeared for me. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even. I barely realized that they were still uh, making games. Like I would see it in. Uh, Nintendo Power and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I never even thought to like even take a second glance at it. But 1991 was a pretty strong year for the NES. You had Battletoads come out, G.I. Joe, uh, Princess Tomato, and the Salad Kingdom. I still need that one. I know one. that's kind of a cult. Yeah, that's a cult favorite uh, at this point. Right. And then you have stuff like Double Dragon 3 and Base Wars. Yeah. Uh, those are fun a ones. A bunch too. of tough
0: ass games. So I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, man, I really, I got to get my hands yeah. on that Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom. I just. It's too charming on the cover, just to not play it. I got to play it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's goofy. I I trying to remember who who has. I think it's John Riggs that like loves that game. I can't remember, but yep, that uh, yeah, that sounds right. He or if he has like a video on that on that game, but yeah, it's it's become a cult favorite over the years. And then you also had the uh, Sega Genesis. Uh, my friend down the road ended up getting one. It's and all he basically played was NHL '94. Like when that came out, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Genesis was going strong. This is peak console wars. Yep. Cause you had, this is a right when I think, um, Tom Kalinsky took over, uh, the reins at, uh, Sega of America. And that's when he made the, the industry altering move of, uh, putting Sonic the Hedgehog as the, uh, pack in game with the Sega Genesis console, and that changed everything cuz that game was it, i think the first game to come with the console was altered beast mm. and that game was okay but it definitely was starting to show its age yeah. so when when they switched it to like the fast and sleek sonic it was like whoa it really highlighted like what made the two systems different yeah and plus in addition to that you had like a, a certain kind of like violence On Genesis games like Road Rash and Streets of Rage and stuff like that, Um, but you also had like the bouncy, you know, happy stuff like uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Right. It's I miss when you know it's it's silly now to even think about that, but it's uh, when it's back when consoles actually had different game libraries. It wasn't just the same hardware with the same freaking games with like maybe like you know a handful of exclusives on each of you know ps5 and xbox it's it's i i miss when the, you know I, it was kind of more like nintendo versus those other two games uh where you did have some crossover between certain franchises but genesis really did a great job leaning into what made their hardware uh you know got, they got that blast processing what can you say they got i mean they do what nintendo don't bud we've been over it i mean for that. sure it can't be overstated how big a deal the console wars were. It really was like tribal warfare between <laughs> kids in grade school. Because if you were Genesis, you only hung out with kids that had a Sega Genesis. If you if you were a Nintendo kid, you only hung out with the Nintendo kids. And then there was always the one dude who had a TurboGrafx-16. Because <laughs> I, I knew it, it was my friend named Nick. I remember he invited me over to his place. He was a big wrestling fan. And uh, we would watch wrestling sometimes, like stay up and watch uh, WWF Superstars. WWF, on WWF, and we, uh, and he had uh, Box Revenge and uh, Box Adventure and a couple shooter games and stuff like that. And it was just crazy to me, like how many games existed that I don't even get to play because there is just an overwhelming amount of stuff that I'm never going to be able to keep up with. Yeah, I knew no TurboGrafx-16
0: kids, and it's probably where I'm from, very small rural town where the closest Toys R Us mm. was like two hours away, but uh, I don't remember the console wars being as big of a deal. I mean, I know it was based on like what I read in magazines. But I think I just, I lived around a bunch of hand-me-down kids and we were like, what did you end up with? Like, I got a used Atari still. Like, damn, dude, sorry about that. <laughs> like, you want to hang out still? Some part of me wants to have grown up in an area where it was more like, you know, your, uh, your roving gangs of console allegiances and, <laughs> and you had it out in the middle of the parking lot. Like, I feel like that would have been fun, but...
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I hated Genesis so much. I even scrawled across the cover in pen with my terrible handwriting. I put uh, instead of Genesis does, I put Genesis duh, because Nintendo does. Do you still have that? <laughs> I thought I was
0: so clever. Oh yeah. Oh, that's that's a good Twitter post. If you've not done that before,
1: uh, that'd be. I know. I I really should. Yeah. It's it's pretty funny. My hand. It's just so childlike. <laughs> it's, but yeah, I was. I have been a. I should mention too that we we went from an Atari twenty six hundred straight to the Super Nintendo. We didn't oh, get an NES. My parents. My, my parents did not want us to be playing video games but i think my mom saw the writing on the wall in that uh, i was just Genesis, gonna be duh, on the wall and she was like <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean okay. enough said but um yeah it's uh i i think my mom realized i was never going to be home i was always going to be out playing video games at a friend's house so what what she did she came up with this strategy where we, when we got a Super Nintendo for Christmas, it was it was hers, because she was terrified that me and my brother were just gonna fight tooth and nail over playing it. So we had to come ask her for permi- for permission to play. I don't even think that rule lasted a single day. My mom just <laughs> didn't care, and eventually, and me and my brother got along just fine anyway. So. I mean, and I was happy to just watch at that point. If you know, besides the Mario World was, especially once you got to the special world, was really freaking tough. Uh, that what uh, I think it's called, gnarly. Oh, that level is freaking brutal to this day. But um, so so, I, eventually, I was just like, oh, I suck at this game. Why don't you play? So I just watched my brother. Ah, oh, good times, man.
0: Yeah, I didn't. Um, I don't think I ventured far out of the the NES, but. I still, you still haven't, still haven't. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. I didn't get it. I got a Game Boy like maybe in '93, so I still hadn't cracked open the Game Boy yet. But that was pumping out some good mm. stuff. You got a, you got a Contra on Game Boy that year. Uh, Bo Jackson put out that two and one, which is honestly a pretty decent game. Like the football and the and the baseball is good in that. And we got that um, that follow up to to that first slow ass Castlevania. You got that Belmont's Revenge. So. Man, Nintendo was yeah. really cranking it out. What a great year for video games and music. What a great year to be alive in 1991.
1: I mean, the freaking USSR yes. collapsed. What a great year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And uh, P- uh, Pee Wee Herman was arrested in a ah. Florida movie theater. I mean, equally as important to a nine-year-old kid.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I watched so much frickin' Pee Wee's Playhouse. It was one of my absolute favorite shows um, I loved when Cowboy Curtis would stop by. I loved the King of Cartoons. Uh I forget what Phil Hartman's character was named. Uh Missy Vaughn was great. Uh I loved that show. I loved that world. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched Pee Wee's Playhouse or how much if you watched it at all, but that was like appointment viewing for me. Uh Growing up. I did a bit. Yeah. Uh, and I remember
0: he, when he got arrested, that being like a big deal in our house. Cause I think I was yeah. in the thick of still loving some Pee Wee. And I think years later, my mom was kind of like, you know what? That wasn't really that big of a deal getting caught whacking it where you're supposed to. But, um, mm-hmm. at the time it was a big deal. Like, oh, we're not going to watch any more Pee Wee. You know, this is oh, not going to do it. It's not going to be on anymore. It's not going to be on. And that, that was like, <laughs> and you're, your movie, your your VHS tape that you've played a thousand times of Pee Wee's Great Adventure. That's gone. We're not watching that anymore. Like, come on, mom.
1: Yeah, yeah. Explain
0: to me what he did because I don't understand. <laughs> I'm six.
1: <laughs> Explain to me in graphic detail what happened. I need to know. But yeah, what else? What other TV were you watching at the
0: time? Uh, in '91, uh, I mean, still just a lot of kid shows and. I, <laughs> I was digging through YouTube, like trying to find some of the kids' shows that I remember watching when I was super young. I don't know if you'll remember any of these, but the nostalgia dripped off me when I dug these up, even from the theme songs. So uh here's three that I'll give you. One was uh, Eureka's Castle. Yes. Was that Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon stuff, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh I don't know if I watched it in 91, but I was just digging through some old stuff. Dumbo Circus was another one that I watched, and it was like... I don't know what what it played on, maybe PBS, but it was... People dressed in basically mascot outfits as like zoo animals at Dumbo Circus, and looking back, those costumes are fucking terrifying. I don't know how <laughs> I didn't grow up with like a weird fear of college mascots because mascots. that, that <laughs> it was freaking terrifying. Um, yeah, and the other one is called Under the Umbrella Tree, and it was this uh, this woman lived in a house with like three. Puppets and they she taught them life lessons and they read books. Um, and I was like, damn, dude, I remember watching so much of this stuff. And it, you know, until we tried to dig through 1991, I had not dug it back up. So that was what I was into. I wasn't watching much fun, cool kid stuff at the time, I was still a little guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had not, not even heard of those, those second two shows. I do remember, uh, pretty clearly Eureka's Castle, though. I think that was basically like a staple for uh nickelodeon at the time Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean speaking of like how great you know 91 was uh i mean you just had a murderer's row of great content on uh saturday mornings just on cbs alone you had uh jim henson's muppet babies which i loved uh garfield and friends teenage mutant ninja turtles um, you had the Back to the Future cartoon, which I liked at the time. You had Bugs Bunny over on ABC. The Bill and mm. Ted cartoon was fun, um, uh, and then you had a uh, WWF Wrestling Challenge uh, on at eleven o'clock Central Time. That was so much fun, though it was it was just it made. You it made your whole weekend like just awesome. Especially in football during football season, you could just go straight from cartoons into wrestling into college football, and then all day Sunday you've got football. It was just a blast. Man, I gotta admit, I don't think I knew there was a Bill and Ted cartoon until just this second. That's wild. It was pretty good. It was on Fox and it was uh I, I loved Bill and Ted, so I uh, made it a a, you know appointment viewing to to check that out you also had bobby's world that was a good show um i forget what else uh i'm just looking at a just a big list here but yeah it's just a lot of really good uh fun stuff to watch um meanwhile like it's funny looking back at what was popular back then like on Primetime, you had stuff like uh, Murphy Brown. Oh, yeah. Which was <laughs> a really interesting uh, juxtapos- juxtaposition for everything else on in the TV landscape. I think it was, they made that show like a really big deal. Um, I think it was like season five or six when uh, she ended up getting pregnant and she was a single mom. And that was like a, she was working and it was kind of like, like a, ooh, like our sponsors going to like this, you know, like everybody freaking out about that. Um, but you also had stuff like Roseanne, yeah, too, which was is an deal. excellent, excellent show. I loved that show. John Goodman, um, man. and Ugh. John Goodman, as Dan Connor is the best TV dad of all time. <laughs> all that of scared the ever-loving... Sh- he scared me so much. But so lovable at the same time, right? Yeah, he, I love that. He reminded me a lot of my dad, because he, when he he raised his voice and got angry, it sounded exactly the same. Uh, so it's like don't piss off Dan Connor like just keep your especially when he's working on a car oh yeah Uh, this probably happened in 1991 uh, now that I think of it but I remember my dad was working on the car and just cursing up a storm this piece of bleep and mother bleep (laughs) you know just just this red face and I I tiptoe out into the garage to get my bike so I can go to my friend's house down the road and, of course, I end up tripping over something and knocking oh, over no. ev- everybody else's bike, and my dad just, like, peeks his head up from the, <laughs> oh, no. underneath the hood, and is just like, what are you doing? <laughs> Can't you just... just?" My dad had this, like, way of sounding utterly dismissive. Uh, it was like his mutant power. <laughs> just, what are you doing? Why would you do that? What is wrong with you? Oh, I love you that know, It's kind of like Red... V- Red Foreman meets yes. uh, somebody else. Yeah, it's any show with, like, a really strict dad like that, I can identify so much with. You just you just stay out of his way when he's in a bad mood. Man, that's great. Yeah, Roseanne was great because that show did
0: a great job of capturing, like, real emotion and also making you laugh and being very relatable. Like, it, it had, it was very well written. Love or Hate Roseanne, that show was, yes. I don't want to say ahead of its time, but it was, like, it stuck out because it offered so much. Yeah norm Macdonald
1: wrote for Roseanne Is that right for for years yeah god that's, damn uh he and her are, are good that were good friends that went way back but i'll never forget um me and my sister watching the season finale of roseanne and that was when uh it was the original becky remember they, yes. they switched beckys yep. but uh the original becky ended up uh getting so pissed off at her parents for for and because they don't like her boyfriend that she ends up running off with her boyfriend and and she ends up uh he you know he's got the, he's the cool guy with the leather jacket and the motorcycle and the show ends with her uh getting off the bike and um calling from a payphone and she calls and says um i ran off with mark and Roseanne, all you hear is like on the other end of the phone, Roseanne just losing her mind. And my sister, I'll never forget my sister just laughing hysterically. At that. So, yeah, that was, Roseanne was a really big deal when I was a kid. Yeah. Same
0: here. Yeah. We like that show a bit. Other things in 1991 that were maybe as popular as Roseanne, this was the year of like the crazes of like Spaghettios. That's when Spaghettios hit. <laughs> You know, bagel bites.
1: What a great year for bagel bites. Yeah. Beefaroni. Uh, Beefaroni, a Capri Sun. Dude. Yeah. Juice in a bag that you can't figure out how to stab right. Amazing. (laughs) What a great idea. I wonder if Lunchables came out that year. I remember those were like a really. Gosh. Yeah. Major thing. I loved Lunchables for when they first came out. Everything is right there in this little plastic tray. Just all my crackers, all my. My weird gelatinous ham that is cut into equal squares that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, you know what yeah, uh, stokes me
0: now? My my daughter gets Lunchables, and uh, I'm like, can you get like, uh, can you get like a few extra, you know, so I can try some out again? <laughs> I like, I just want to try them out. They're awful, but they yeah, um, kids love them. My daughter's like, no, nah,
1: this is seriously some of the best food that we've ever had as a family. And I'm like, what are you saying? What was your, what's your Lunchable strategy? Cause mine was always uh one piece of meat, one piece of cheese, and then I would snap the cracker in half and make like a little cracker sandwich. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I I can't remember exactly. I think I would just get real
0: versatile. I would be like just trying everything. You mm. maybe using the cheese for for the the cracker one time and putting the putting the ham in the middle of the cheese. You know, like really getting fancy with my sandwich <laughs> construction. I do remember though there was one. I don't know what the the lunchable kit was but it came with like the nacho cheese stuff and it came with a little red stick that you use to slather your the cheese onto the cracker or whatever and and just using that stick to get every bit of that cheese out of that lunchable packet and like yeah that stick until basically the plastic were off the edge
1: they did the same thing with um uh cheese and crackers Mm -hmm. uh now I think they switched to getting rid of the the red stick altogether. Now it's like these those little like cracker sticks that you use. But back then, yeah, we it was like little club bur- crackers that you could spread cheese on and stuff like that. Heck yeah, man! Uh, I loved those too. But yeah, I I, I <laughs> one thing I remember about Lunchables is I I always wanted to just take open one up and just take the cheese. And just, like, take a huge bite out of that block. <laughs> and and yep. I, I always thought about it, but I never did it. And one day I was just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I did it, and I was like, all right, why did I do that? Regrets. Regrets. <laughs> <laughs>
0: why did I do that? Control okay. Z. Yeah. No, that's funny. Uh, I think we were all enticed by a big block of cheese at some point in our life. We've all succumbed and we've all regretted, and that's why you don't see people walking around with club like blocks of cheese in their hand because they tried it once. And they were like, not for me, <laughs>
1: too much. <laughs> and you, you know what? Uh, just to wrap this up, let's let's give our uh, toy collectors, uh, let's throw them a bone because you've got some stuff listed on our sheet here. Uh, Wrestling buddies, uh, we had those, and those were basically just uh, over like pillows. Shaped as like mini wrestlers that you could like drop flying elbow smashes onto and like put in the figure four and, or in the sharpshooter and whatever. What a great that was cheap awesome. cash in like that cost
0: them yeah. nothing. They were made so fucking cheap. It's just yeah, it's just the worst outline of a dude with a dude's <laughs> face on it. <laughs> In a pillow,
1: like, it's- <laughs> like I, I've seen gingerbread men that looked more like people <laughs> than, than wrestling buddies. Like they looked kind of terrifying. They did, in a way. but they were but, such a but fan. I loved them. Yeah, I had Ultimate Warrior, and my brother had Hulk Hogan. Um, I think we might have gotten those before before ninety one because. Yeah, my brother would have been too old, but he still got one, and he still like he still it uses dropping elbows of it from the from the yeah he gave it to his uh, to his uh, kids nice and so he he likes the, I mean they're they're too old now but yeah they they played with that stuff too that's awesome we also I also had a ton of wrestling figures yeah uh, everybody from I remember the uh, the the Hasbro ones uh, Hogan uh, uh, Ma- the Macho Man one was great and uh uh the undertaker one was especially cool cuz he had the the hat and the gloves and stuff like that so that was cool yeah yeah had a couple of those myself all hand me downs
0: uh or f- flea market finds but always cool and then maybe the coolest toy of all in 1991 i'm not going to lie i didn't have one it was it's still a source of envy for me because i still kind of want one the turtles technodrum holy crap
1: yeah what a kit yeah I don't I didn't know anybody that had that thing. It was too expensive, but yeah, that thing was ma- I remember seeing that get advertised in the uh JCPenney Christmas catalog. Yep. And just and it, it was like 100 something dollars and it was like holy crap, that thing is massive. Yeah, even the Turbo Graphics kids parents were like, "Nah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: nah, maybe next year, sweetheart." And then they got him a Sega Saturn. That was an the very enviable toy,
1: for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, it was that. Oh, go ahead. The, I'm sorry. I just want to say it real quick, it was the t- the two like unattainable toys uh, at the time were the tech the the oversized Technodrome and the what do you call it for GI Joe i think it was the mobile command center yeah which is just this giant tank that would unfold and you could put all your guys in there and it was freaking it w- just looked awesome mostly because it was a place that you could store all of your dudes mm-hmm. and uh you know have like come up with missions and stuff like that and yeah it was just a lot of fun yeah i mean even the technodrome
0: also made for some good dude storage those are that was a yeah. wise choice yeah, any anything that doubles as dude stories is always good <laughs> we, uh, we have to touch on movies before we get to emails um, Sure 1991 movies because there's some dang good ones that came out I mean, 90, 1991 was a banging year It might be the last greatest year on earth I, I just recently watched Because I didn't get to see it in 1991 again Let's remember, I was five and sometimes six uh, I just recently watched Silence of the Lambs for the first time Don't know how that movie eluded me That's right in my wheelhouse
1: What a great film I had so much fun with that one. Oh. Good movie. That movie is my girlfriend Pearl's favorite movie of all time. High five, Pearl. She's seen it. She's seen it a hundred times, I think. But uh, yeah, that's that's an all-time great. Um, Buffalo Bill, an all-time great character. Oh, yeah, dude. I say <laughs> hello, so Clarice. Creepy. Ten times a day at anything to my cat, my wife. Hello, Clarice. I don't know why I do it. But um, we also had uh, Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Um, Hell, I-, I loved everything about that movie. Uh, just him in the arcade playing Afterburner, him ripping off a uh, an ATM and getting all that cash. I was like it, it, the motorbike I was like oh man I'm living vicariously through this kid this is this kid has the best life ever even though his mom is on a mental institution <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's um it was great t- great times uh there was I think what people forget about Terminator 2 is that there was actually some suspense as to which terminator is defending wants what you know like which one is trying to kill john connor like one is in a police uniform like you'd think he'd be the good guy right but no and you'd think arnold was the villain but no he was sent back to protect it's great great stuff it's one of my still one of my favorite movies ever great movie uh less than good video games for the most part oh yeah uh that jfk
0: movie that no one thought was ever going to end oliver stone all out he's like <laughs> let's get the whole thing in there let's come up with some new theories yeah. let's make it four hours yeah. if we can.
1: Also, Rob, that Robin Hood Prince of Thieves movie with Kevin Costner, where his accent comes and goes throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's always funny. Um, hey, Kevin Costner Cape had Thier. a hot year in 91, dude. He was in JFK and yeah. Robin Hood. He, he had a great run throughout, you know, 89, 90, mm-hmm. 91. He had Field of Dreams, uh, Dances with Wolves. Uh, was he in Bull tons Durham? Of that was somewhere in there, right? Bull Durham back in the 80s. Yeah. Dang. Lots of great stuff. Now, we can't... We we
0: would be remiss if we didn't mention the greatest 1991 movie, uh, Under Siege, with Steven Seagal. Ooh. On a big Steven boat. Steven Seagal. On a big boat. Yep. Oh,
1: so good. So good. Hey, he's just a cook. Doesn't, <laughs> just classic Seagal, like acting mm. like why is he why is he whispering half the time because he talks like this he wants to be cool <laughs> but yeah i i never really liked freaking steven seagal no. i, I just that guy always just rubbed me the wrong way but um under siege was a was a good flick uh it had tommy lee jones as the villain which was good stuff yeah so, absolutely yeah. yeah i wasn't i was not meaning to like oversell it like it is decent but
0: it's uh it's not the greatest movie of 1991 but steven seagal would like you think it is because he's very like i didn't realize that steven seagal on camera was also like the same guy off camera like he is (laughs) he thinks he's saved he thinks he saved the world like 50 times he's like what do you guys want from me i've saved countless boats i've done a lot of jujitsu i'm a cool guy (laughs)
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. All thanks to Steven Seagal. But yeah, we just wanted to give a big rundown of all the, you know, we, I'm sure we missed some stuff. If we did, just send us an email and, uh, yeah, man. What, what are some of your memories of, of 1991? We'd love to know. Um, hopefully we provided an adequate picture of what that year was like by, two people that uh, were there <laughs> yeah I, but um, and i think we, co- yeah. we cover we have a good coverage you're
0: a little older than me so our perspectives are different you grew up in a more urban area i grew up and still live in the middle of nowhere so uh um, yeah yeah good swath of of coverage so yeah i would be interested to know uh how how other folks experienced 1991 especially some of our international listeners because i have no context as to what was uh yeah what, good point what their stuff was like so cool let's get into some freaking emails then
1: Listen, the world moves fast. It seems like as soon as you beat a game, it's lost the time. No one to talk to about it. No credit. No one to even appreciate it on Twitter. While over on the Polykill podcast, Trav and I aim to remedy all that by talking about the games we're playing, the games we're beating, and the games you are beating. So please head on over to polymedianetwork.com, check out Polykill, and maybe you'll be the next Polykiller.
0: We got one here from our pal Top Spot. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a drunk friend podcast if we didn't get to mention our good pal Top Spot. He says, hello, drunk friends. You guys usually open the show discussing your recent videos, and we didn't today. Interestingly, uh, we wanted to get right into the 1991. But, uh, and w- one of these discussions gave me a question for each of you. Alex, despite being SNES drunk, on occasion you cover games other than those on the SNES. Not long ago, you did a run of much lesser-known arcade games, and they were consistently surprising and fun to learn about. Can you remember the thought process behind behind first branching out beyond the Super Nintendo, and how you decide what other systems and games to cover? Uh, so we'll stop there and let you answer, Alex. Is there, uh, you know, where, where do you lean
1: when you lean away from the Super Nintendo? What what gets you gravitating toward? Uh, these other things Uh, just uh, missing out on that stuff in the first place and just not knowing that it existed and just you know it's fun to just look for that sort of stuff Um, and I do that just I'll sometimes I'll just go straight to like Konami's Wikipedia page and look at uh, all the titles of arcade games that they released over the years and just seeing what these are and playing them in MAME or, you know, checking them out on Steam or wherever they might be. I mean, it really is that simple. Like, it's especially when it came to NES stuff that I missed out on, there were just an endless number of side-scrolling platformers, like action platformer-type games. There's, like, Power Blade, Metal Storm, uh, Low G-Man. <laughs> just, a mi- like, Shadow of the Ninja. Just a million games like that. And I, a Kabuki Quantum Fighter. Oh, yeah. Like, there's... I wanted to know like what these games were because they all just ran together as the same thing for me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just curiosity, really. And the arcade stuff just seemed like a natural continuation of that. Yeah, uh, especially since um, it's arcade games are more obscure than Super Nintendo stuff because you just had to be lucky to be in the same area as a cabinet. Like for a great game like Lucky and Wild mm-hmm. or Alien vs Predator or something like that, like you might not know those existed because those are big, expensive cabinets that you know they're they're only going to be like in major cities and hubs of a lot of activity and a lot of people. They're not going to be out in uh you know Virginia you know in the woods in Virginia <laughs> no. like you. No, nope. uh, they're still not here. You're probably only going to get like Miss Pac Man and Galaga and stuff like that, like really popular stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun to sure. dive into that world.: Yeah, 100 percent. I'm curious, Alex, do you remember the first time you went off the
0: Super Nintendo beaten path, and were you did, did you worry that, you know, like, how'll how this be received? And at the same time, did your, were there comments that were like, "What, what are you doing? It's not Super Nintendo. I still get
1: those. Yeah. You um, called Snus drunk, but you Yeah. So it, I still get those comments all the time. You, you asked me uh, about when I first started uh, diverting. I honestly don't remember what it was. I want to say it was Ninja Gaiden. I don't know why I picked that game because uh, I was already kind of familiar with it, but I guess I just wanted to. Um, try something different. I do remember uh, starting to dive into Steam stuff just because I was curious and wanted to kind of spin off content to uh, cover some recent, you know, more, more recent games that were uh, current, you know, coming out uh, in real time that people were playing. And, you know, I wanted to try my hand on being like just a regular guy, but that never really caught on. So I just started doing like NES stuff and and whatever I could think of, really. Yeah, I remember you doing Don't Starve, and I was like, what is this? What is going on? Oh, I love that game. That was a cool video. I
0: still play that all the time. It's great. Uh, Top Spot continues. And Trav, do you think you'll ever stray away from the NES and Famicom on Nest Friend? If so, what directions do you think your coverage may go in the future? Yeah, Trav. (sighs) When are you going to? I don't know. I'm so slow in plotting these days with NES, uh, Mm. and I am doing it really to discover my own collection i'm probably not going yeah. to stray far from the nes at any point unless i get a really wild hair uh, there is no shortage of famicom stuff either like that stuff goes on and on, yeah. and on. um i mean i have to learn a different language to get through most of it but uh yeah i don't i don't know i don't really have any plans but to do anything except the nes and that's like maybe a bridge i'll cross later if it comes to that but for now we're still we're still plugging along on that uh, that old library uh, and he says, uh, thanks as always for producing such a great podcast. Cheers and thank you, Top
1: Spot. And folks, go back and check out that Top Spot episode. It's great. Thanks, Top Spot. Uh, this next email was uh, from Blake Mountain. What a great name! He sounds big. Blake Mountain. Yeah. Uh, he says, Gaming soundtracks make or break. Howdy, Trav and Alex. Happy International Beer Day. And happy International Beer Day to you, Blake Mountain. Cheers. Uh, truly. Truly love the podcast and all your YouTube comments. My question is regarding video game soundtracks. As I've aged, I've appreciated video game music more and more. That being said, are there any games you seem to enjoy more because of the soundtrack alone? And vice versa. Are there any games you may hold in a lower regard because the music is subpar? Lastly, who is your favorite 90s ass pro wrestling jobber? Blake Mountain. Wow, that's a well, Let's start with the let's start with the jobber. Who's your Who's your '90s pro wrestling jobber? Um, oh, I, I, that's hard to just narrow it down to one. Um, there was a guy named Dale Wolf who I really liked <laughs> that was like on every freaking week on Wrestling Channel's getting squashed by like tugboat or uh, <laughs> you know, Jake the Snake or somebody like that. Um, there was also another guy that would work all the. Uh, Anytime they did a show in Madison Square Garden, uh, they'd always bring up uh, Iron Man Iron Man Mike or no, it was just Iron Iron Mike Sharp was his name, and you got to look up this guy's matches sometimes because he's like the loudest guy ever. Like every move he sells goodbye going. <laughs> like he's he's like the loudest gruntiest wrestler ever it's it's really funny so anytime that guy was on i was glued to my tv that's a good choice um man i don't the think about the jobbers
0: not household names it's hard for me to think back yeah wasn't there a guy i want to say like someone like brooklyn um brooklyn brawler brooklyn brooklyn brawler i kept wanting to say the brooklyn bomber but i was like nah, that's a baseball thing Um uh, brooklyn brawler yeah uh, yeah remember uh reading yeah, an article it, about that w- guy being a good jobber so that's why he's my choice
1: <laughs> yeah he he was uh uh they it's funny the, the word jobber became so derogatory in the wrestling business that they now refer to those guys as talent enhancement because ah. they're only they're only out there to uh make the other guy look better that's hilarious uh ah, yeah. talent
0: enhancement well that's what i am to you alex <laughs> <laughs> regarding the soundtracks no. uh there are any games that you seem to enjoy more because of the soundtrack alone and i have a fresh example of this because right now uh i'm playing through final fantasy mystic quest and now you're thinking travis what are you doing playing through the hardest final fantasy that seems weird no i'm kidding um <laughs> but uh i don't find that game very interesting for for a lot of reasons uh, and mainly because it's meant to be a bit hand-holdy and such, but damn, I love the music in that game, which is what keeps me playing it. I think it's got a great soundtrack.
1: Uh, the, it, the soundtrack is much more dynamic than the gameplay. Oh, for sure, yeah. The, the soundtrack rocks. It's like Mega Man-style, mm-hmm. like 16-bit rock music. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah, it it goes hard. It's pretty sweet. For sure. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of games that aren't even good games, especially on Super Nintendo, but the soundtrack is is really good. Like uh, Lagoon is a game like that. Like that's not a very good game. At least I don't think so. But the music in that game, start to finish, is is pretty good. Um, the the f- the biggest example I can think of is the the Waterworld game on Super Nintendo. Oh yes, it's 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 got this like soothing, creepy menu music, and it's so cool. Like, uh, but the game itself is just it just exists, I guess. Yeah. It's not great, but, uh, also I got a shout out Pictionary on the NES. Oh yeah. Any, any game the, the brothers worked on. Yes. Uh, for the music is, it goes hard. There's like a TikTok video or something with a skit
0: of them coming up with that. It's like, hey, it's just for Pictionary. Don't go too hard. But he goes hard anyway.
1: Ah, it's so good. Yeah. it's. I think it's by the same guys that did the the same video for, like, <laughs> we need to make uh, the pause music for this uh, GoldenEye game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the way that guy dances is freaking
0: awesome. It's so awesome. Ugh. So, uh, and vice versa, are there any games you
1: may hold in a lower regard because the music is a uh, par? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. There, I, I remember um, my watching my brother playing Secret of Mana back in the day. And anytime he went to like the dwarf village in the caves, that mu- that music was just irritating as hell. It's still irritating to listen to. It's weird because the rest of that soundtrack is so good. But that music in that area is just obnoxious.
0: That's a good point. I can't,
1: I can't th- think of any other music that really
0: got on my nerves. You just reminded me of an example, uh, another fresh example. My nephew came over uh, this past weekend and we we threw in uh, Streets of Rage 3. Now, Streets of Rage 2, great game, great soundtrack, but there are a couple levels in 3 where the music is so grating and weird. There's one where you're like in a nightclub and it is the same three-second, literally three-second loop of what sounds like clown music sped up ten times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awful. We had to turn the TV down. We had the physics, because we're playing on old equipment, like a PVM that doesn't wow. have a remote. I'm like, I'm going to have to stand up, go turn a knob right now, because I am so annoyed by this music.
1: Yeah, uh, Sega Genesis does have a few games where it's like the people doing the music don't understand how FM synthesis works. It's not <laughs> like the Super Nintendo where you're do- using samples. like You're actually creating the sound uh through an fm synth on in the console um so it's there's certain games i want to say the first x-men game on genesis has some i i really love that game but it's the music in it isn't great <laughs> it's just you know it's your classic uh you know sounds like farts you know a, a <laughs> right cacophony of of ass basically so <laughs> so yeah to quote james rolf i'm sure
0: yeah yeah ass yes yes All right. Great email there, Blake Mountain. Stay tall. I'm sure you're tall by that last name. Hmm. Uh, Our last email here comes from Ruben. It's titled, Ninjas and Pirates Agree Cowboys Suck. wonder what this is about. The cowboys do suck. Oh, come on. Got the (laughs) wrath. Dear Alex and Traff, first, I'd like to say that I'm a big fan of the Polymedia Network and all the shows that are on it. Currently, I am on episode 64 of my second run of the Polykill podcast, and I'm still enjoying it as much as the first time around. I love listening to the discussions and all the banter really cracks me up. Well, I'm going to stop right there and say thank you, Ruben. Also want to apologize to Ruben for that for some reason. Like, I'm, I'm sorry you've done that to yourself, but no, thank you all the same. I really do appreciate that. And I'm glad you like the network as a whole. We, we all really appreciate that. He goes on. He says, and I have to really thank Alex for all of this. Being a SNES lover, I watched the SNES drunk YouTube a lot, which then later turned me on to the Drunk Friend podcast and of course introduced me to Trap. This made me retroactively listen to most of the polymedia shows, which is all great stuff. Th- Again, thank you, Ruben. Check is in the mail for that. Uh, he says, <laughs> <laughs> he says, I love all things 90s and the Super Nintendo is one of the many things I like about your 90s ass show. The Super Nintendo is by far my favorite game console. I had great times playing it as a kid and still do today. So to hear you two talk about all the stuff that gives me great pleasure and really pulls me through a long commute or or a boring day at work. So I was wondering if you ever heard about a game copy machine for the Super Nintendo called the Pro Fighter X Turbo. And he sent a picture of it here. He says, with this machine, which sits on top of your Super Nintendo, you could copy cartridges on 3.5-inch diskettes and then play the diskettes without the cartridge. This made it possible for me to play hundreds of games as a kid, even in ports. I must have rented every Super Nintendo game at my local video rental shop. I know it's illegal, but most of them were games I never could have played anyway. After the Super Nintendo, my next console was the PlayStation. This, too, was subject to some serious game theft. A little trip to the local PC repair shop and all the games could be bought for just a couple of bucks. After that, it became a lot harder and, well, less necessary as interests changed. But I must confess that I'm even still doing a little pirating today with my Super Nintendo Classic Mini, which is childishly easy to crack, almost like Nintendo wants me to play ROM Hacks and made it easy on purpose. Please share if you have any experience as a pirate gamer in the past and what are your thoughts about it today. And then he goes on to, Uh, Ended here with a PS Listening to old Polykill episodes Does make me miss Jake I hope he's doing well Is it possible to have him on As a guest on your show Maybe in the future Best regards all the way From the Netherlands Ruben Uh, Ruben to address that PS I did uh, I Copied and pasted uh, this part of the email and sent it to Jake, and he said, "Ah, well, damn." So he did appreciate that. I don't know if we'll see Jake on a podcast, but uh, he was with me and uh, Briz on our Poly Media charity stream the other uh, night, and he ate, he ate a very hot chip and um, suffered for it. So that might be entertaining to you mm. if you want to go check that out. But well, we'll see. We'll see if we can get Jake on something soon. He he appreciated hearing that. So back to the pirating games, Alex. Alex, have you heard of the Pro Fighter X Turbo? What is this?
1: heard of yes but I've never actually seen one Um, there is like some information on the internet about it it's funny that what I found here says uh, the Fighter X and its family of copiers have a reputation of high failure rates due to poor quality components oh man so yeah it sounds like it doesn't work very well but um, Ruben
0: must have got a good one
1: yeah yeah, I guess so I've never uh, seen one of these copier things I've heard all about them in the past uh i think it was frank from the video game uh historical oh yeah thing yeah. that he does i can't remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, i yeah, remember no, I him say, saying on twitter something about this uh a while back so yeah i have seen these or i have uh, heard about them rather but i have not seen one uh, or used one ever it sounds pretty interesting though if it if it's ripping games to a a floppy disk. That's kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's called the Pro Fighter X. One, it
0: makes me think it's like a fighting game or something like that. I wouldn't yeah. think it's like a piece of hardware that does that does something. So that's interesting, huh?
1: Yeah. Other than that, that's a really nice email from Ruben, though. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Ruben. Do you do you have any um?
0: Do you have any? I mean, I know you don't have uh, any issues with people playing games any way they can. That's kind of your motto. So yeah. Yeah. You and I both use an EverDrive and. Clearly, that requires uh, some acquiring of ROMs to do. <laughs> you know, we, we might not own all the games we got ROMs for, <laughs> but as a kid, you know, before EverDrive's existed, uh, maybe maybe tell us what was the first game that you did pirate? What was your first pirating experience when it came to video games?
1: Do you remember? Yeah, um, I was using the computer in our quote-unquote computer essentials class uh, sometime in high school and this was every time I was in the computer lab, Uh, I would load up uh, Nesticle to play NES Mm -hmm, games. I would load up uh, ZSNES for Super Nintendo games. And that was kind of what got me started uh, in getting into uh, uh, Japanese games. Um, That's how I I, I did some searches. Back then, I think I used Yahoo and Excite, Search engines to find stuff. So I remember finding that people were actually translating games like Final Fantasy V, Seiken Densetsu uh Bahamut Lagoon, um, all these like huge Squaresoft RPGs that were never localized. And I just, it just blew my mind. So I was playing some of that stuff <laughs> in that class. Because uh, all that class was, was just like, here's how you save a file in Microsoft Works. It's like, okay uh just real basic like obviously intuitive stuff but um yeah i i remember just like wasting time in that class playing you know battle toads and and uh double dragon and like just revisiting all the old nes stuff i kind of missed out on and while still you know sometimes playing Uh, those uh, games that were never localized. So that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, And then when I was finally able to build my own PC when I was in tech school uh, a few years later, uh, yeah, I remember... Playing that stuff all the time. I remember grabbing a huge torrent eventually that had like well over a thousand uh Super Nintendo and Super Famicom games. You know, I I just like started (laughs) just scrolling through the list and what's this? Huh, I wonder what this is. I wonder what this is. (laughs) And just like playing for, you know, sometimes only five minutes and sometimes over an hour. So yeah, good times. Yeah, and that's what about you? How did how did you get into That sort of stuff. Right. I was going to say that sense of discovery
0: of what's out there and documenting it has never left you, so. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. For me, I waited until I got to college and we had high-speed internet. I still remember putting that thick yellow ethernet cord into my computer (laughs) and just chugging the internet. And uh, that's where I first even discovered that emulation was a thing, that, you know, I... I hung out with with jocks and nerds of a different stripe. We weren't like quite video game nerds, so I had to discover that on my own. It was a very authentic discovery. I was like, "Oh no, shit, dude, get in here. We can just download any game and play it. We don't have to keep buying them." <laughs> dude, get in here, look at this, and that was amazing. And I, yeah. I, you know, I smoked the whole pack. So that was yeah. Uh, the, I went through phases with it uh, until you know the last ten years when I really. Um, saddled up with gaming as, as my main hobby, but honestly, getting high, sp- going from, we had DSL where I lived, which sucked. It was only because my dad worked for the phone company, so we got it for free, but we lived like 25 feet beyond where DSL was effective. And so it was seriously like trying to like siphon gas out of a clogged hose when you wanted the internet.
1: <laughs> that sucks, yeah. Yeah, it was
0: awful. So like going to college and they were like, "No, we're just going to pour it in giant buckets into your fucking computer." <laughs> like was an experience like no other. All the all the music, movie and games. I was yeah, I was the pirate of the water for sure.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh um that that's such an awesome feeling and just like uh um Ruben says in his email we never could have played these games anyway, especially in the case of the Japanese games. But even, you know, like some of the NES stuff we were playing, it's like, I don't, you know, my, my local Funko Land doesn't have this stuff. So I'm going to try and play it this way. Or, you know, it's. Maybe Funko Land or GameStop or whatever could have been around. They just don't have these certain games in stock. They never will, because uh, nobody in the neighborhood brings them in. And so, so if I want to play this stuff, this is the only way I can do it. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for that email, Ruben.
0: Uh, keep keep on plugging on with that. Um, you know, playing it any way that you can, of course. Uh, Alex, before we get out of here, I found online, I found a 1991 quiz. It's seven questions and some of the, uh, some of the multiple choice answers cracked me up. I want to give you this quiz if you don't mind real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Number one, this is uh, in the topic of literature. What Tom Clancy book came out in 1991? Was it Patriot Games, The Hunt for Red October, Red Storm Rising, or The Sum of All Fears?
1: Um, I think the movie Hunt for Red October came out in 91. I'm going to say Patriot Games. The correct answer was the sum of all fears.
0: Ah! But, you know, we're not all Tom Clancy experts. That's okay. I'm sure you'll get this one. Which band performed Smells Like Teen Teen Spirit in the wonderful year of 1991? Was it the Bengals, Bon Jovi, (laughs) Nirvana, or the Pixies? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, at least the Pixies is kind of a... Yeah. Kind of similar. Genre, but, uh, yeah. The Bangles? Wow. Uh, yeah, it's obviously Nirvana. Nirvana. Uh,
0: which animated Disney film made its debut in 1991? Was it The Little Mermaid, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Beauty and the Beast, or Cinderella? Uh Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, indeed. All right. A lot of these are pretty easy, but um, there is near the end. It cracked me up. Sports in 1991. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series, true or false? False. 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 Get out of here with that. Of course. What television channel was established in 1991? Bravo, ABC, AMC, or Comedy Central?
1: I think it was Comedy Central. Comedy Central it is. Yeah, they switched from the Comedy Channel to Comedy Central. I didn't even know there was a Comedy Channel. It's news to me. Yeah, Mystery Science Theater aired on the comedy channel in the the old days ye olden days ye olden days (laughs) number nine who was president in 1991 was it george
0: hw bush bill clinton george w bush or ronald reagan that would be hw hw of course now here's the one that cracked me up the build-up for this isn't worth it but it really did make me laugh (laughs) what was the code name of the 1991 war against iraq was it operation sandblast operation desert fire operation sand plane
1: or operation desert storm uh i don't think operation desert storm would have been successful if it were called operation sand (laughs) plane i don't don't think that's that's a successful battle that we're winning. Uh, sandblast got me because i was like honestly that's a good one if you called it operation sandblast
0: That tells me a story. We're going in there to bust ass. <laughs> Desert Storm sounds like we're in there. We're confused. We can't see good. There's... there's, Yeah. Ugh.
1: Yeah. Sandblast sounds a certain By the way, uh, one of... In retrospect, this is pretty bad. It's, it's pretty gross. But Operation Desert Storm had its own series of tra- trading cards that hmm. my brother collected. And it was like General Norman Schwarzkopf and, you know, President george hw bush even though he was just george bush back then um and uh all sorts of other stuff like here here's a tank here's a scud missile here's a patriot missile like all this stuff it's kind of kind of gross looking back like you're you're seriously making trading cards based off of yeah a war <laughs> That's that's kind of messed up but um it kind of fit the gi joe vibe i guess maybe yes. that's kind of
0: what they wanted to do yeah yeah that's yeah that is weird I remember those too. When you mentioned those, I I do recall those. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. My brother had basically all of them, I think. I, I had a, uh, you, you, we'll, we'll close the show out here in, within a minute, but you reminded me over an hour ago, you mentioned Larry Bird and this, this came to my mind. Uh, about two years ago, I was playing basketball at a, uh, a local gym with a bunch of college kids. None of these kids were over the age of 19. And I was doing my old man thing where I basically just barely shuffle between the two foul lines and just hit jumpers. Like, I'm not getting in the paint. I'm not running hard. I'm barely getting back on defense, right? But I was I sinking was my shots, and this one kid goes, guard him. He's like white Larry Bird. I was like, do you not know who Larry Bird is? Also? I was like, I don't know if it was a joke nice. or if you just legitimately <laughs> are just throwing out a basketball player's name and you don't know who it is. Yeah. <sighs> so white lady bird over here (laughs)
1: yeah yeah it's great compliment really (laughs) i think about it i guess i I don't know high praise you must have been on fire i was lighting it up that night to be honest with you it felt pretty good Mm. These kids
0: respected me. Uh, but all right, everyone. That's been another Drunk Friend podcast. Uh, please head over to polymedianetwork.com. Check out our other podcasts. I do want to thank everyone that turned out, showed up, and donated to the IRC for our Polymedia stream. That was a ton of fun. Alex rifled through dudes for a full hour. I got to beat the Ninja Turtles. It was a great time, a great experience. We hope to bring it back again uh, soon, next year, of course. And so um, thank you again for all that, for everyone that that turned out for that. Check out the podcasts on the network, and... Um, so thank you and please you can reach out to us with questions comments uh whatever at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com
1: we love to hear from you if you're not interested in sending an email that's not a big deal just give us a rating and review on a podcast up of your choice and that'll help us up big time and you can help us out on spotify too by rating us and uh giving us uh, a one star five star just give us a rating please (laughs) just interact some interaction please some interaction yeah
0: you can find us on social media on twitter i'm at trap games alex of course at snes drunk
1: and the track you hear is called oh and the track you hear was composed all right let's try that again and the track you hear was composed by our friend Kular, and is called electric starbound so you can find a link to more of his music on the buzzsprout podcast page and a shout out to josh leslie for our thirst quenching logo yeah taking time to enunciate it these days i see be sure to catch us all on youtube and thanks for listening uh tiptoeing through the minefield and we have a great rest of your day cheers cheers